D. Smith, welcome in. It's another edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. The Unnamed Soccer Podcast is brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista and by Sport Clips, where it's great to be a guy. Wait a second here. I'm D. Smith. Well, I'm welcoming myself into this program. Actually, this is going to be a solo podcast for yours truly, as timing permitted yours truly and yours truly alone to be available. Plus, I have a feeling that I'm a little bit more invested and interested in the subject of today's podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about El Clasico, perhaps the greatest club rivalry anywhere in the world of club soccer. It's happening again this weekend at 12 noon here on the West Coast. You can watch it on BN Sports. It's going to be Real Madrid and Barcelona, a rivalry anytime that these two sides play. Certainly, though, given the current table, given the standings, what's happening in La Liga, the potential that this could be Lionel Messi's final ever Clasico adds a little extra layer on top of it all. So, somebody whose voice I've woken up to more times than I can count is our guest on this Unnamed Soccer podcast. He's Phil Shane. Phil Shane, who has provided play-by-play, soccer play-by-play in this country for decades, the original voice of Major League Soccer. We had an opportunity to chat with Phil Shane and talk a little bit about that, about being a longtime voice for soccer fans here in the United States, previewing El Clasico upcoming this weekend, what's on the line, the significance of calling a Clasico as Phil Shane and Ray Hudson have done who knows how many times, had a chance to have this conversation Thursday morning, just a couple of days away from the 2021 El Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Here it is, our conversation with BN Sports, Phil Shane. All right, here we go. Let's say hello to Phil Shane. Phil Shane is a voice now for decades that those of us who have watched soccer we are well familiar with. We have woken up to here on the West Coast. He's, of course, preparing for El Clasico coming up this week on BN Sports. That'll be 12 noon here on the West Coast. Excited to get out there, watch that this upcoming weekend. You can go to philshane.com. You can learn all about Phil, his great career, what's going on in his life. Phil Shane joining us here this afternoon. Phil, Darren Smith in San Diego, we appreciate your time. My pleasure, Darren. And I guess uh, from one little bit of American heaven to another, uh, South Florida, Southern California doesn't get much better than this. It does not. And you have spent plenty of time here on either coast as well. I suppose before we get going on La Liga and El Clasico upcoming this weekend, Phil, an anniversary of sorts. I noticed that you <laughs> tweeted a goal that you called the original goal, the first goal ever scored in Major League Soccer history back in 1996, scored by our friend Eric Winalda, speaking of San Diego. Uh, an anniversary of sorts that you were there. You were the original voice of MLS. And somehow it survived. I even did FIFA on EA Sports. Somehow they're still making money. Um, but it's, uh, it, it just, I remember when 20 came. Uh, but then the guy that actually hired me, Dennis Denninger, just posted up a, a little picture about the anniversary of the 25th uh, year since that opening match. And this one kind of snuck up on me a little bit. So uh, obviously, I think the world's been a little bit busy over the last couple of years. But uh, 25 years goes in the blink of an eye. 
Without a doubt. I would imagine, Phil, what were you – do you remember what you all thought about that league, a startup league here, the first time that we had had professional soccer at that level here in the United States? I've heard from many people, Bruce Arena included, that they weren't sure that that league was going to survive. What was it like in the early days of MLS, a league that, frankly, we're talking about here in San Diego, possibly landing an expansion franchise at some point in the next couple of years? Well, after what's going on in Sacramento, maybe a little closer than that. Um, mm-hmm. But in regards to uh, to the thoughts, it, it was kind of a, of two mindsets. Um, because as people in San Diego know, I mean, you had the indoors with the legendary soccers. You had uh, the WPSL. Uh, you had the, the WSL, the APSL, A-League, USISL. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that was going on after the demise of the NASL. Um, but there was something different about MLS. Uh, the fact that you had some bigger money people putting their, uh, their money on the table at the outset. You had FIFA that was involved. You had Alan Rothenberg, uh, who was pretty much a mandate uh, along with MLS's creation to get the 1994 World Cup. And the thing I think people kind of forget, it was actually supposed to start 26 years ago. But in 1995, they realized things weren't quite ready, and they pushed it off a year. And guys like Tab Ramos and Eric and uh, Joe Max and everyone had to, to go abroad for a year and then come back in 1996. And some were saying, again, that just goes to show the fragility. I think what it showed was the wisdom. And even after those first five years where you had the, the uh, addition of uh, teams uh, like the Miami Fusion, and then a couple of years later, they had to kind of pull the plug on a couple of teams and, uh, and take it back down to 10. People were saying that was a disaster. But again, I, I think it was the, the wisdom, the wise leadership of Don Garber at the time. Uh, and we're going through that period again with uh, not just in MLS, but the entire world of soccer that is going through a economic restructuring. So uh, I, I think what we saw with MLS 25 years ago was the realization that the time was right, but that the business plan still needed to be right. You had to limit losses rather than try and maximize returns. And because of that, 25 years on, a quarter of a century on, uh, uh, MLS is still going strong. And uh, some people are even talking about uh, within the next 25 years that MLS might be one of the strongest leagues in the globe. And I think that's a, uh, that's a, a difficult argument to go against. Well, from your lips, Phil Shane, uh, hopefully that comes to fruition here. Again, we are somewhat still in a holding pattern, as you said, uh, very astutely waiting to find out what it is that happens up in Sacramento here with Landon Donovan's USL Club, et cetera. So hopefully we will be talking about that at some point down the road. Phil, I mentioned it you know, out here on the West Coast. I can't tell you how many times I myself have woken up and stumbled out to the couch or have gotten together with others. Uh, I'm part of a Barca supporters group out here and officially recognized Pena in San Diego. Uh, You are are the voice of La Liga for so many people here at a time now where we've gotten to see Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. It's El Clasico week for you. It's not normal for the players. Kareem Benzema said this this is not a normal week for us. What about for the broadcasters at BN Sports? It is... After doing so many of these, going back to Gold TV and now for the last 10 years at BN Sports, um, you kind of know what to expect. 
but it's also one of those weeks where you have to expect the unexpected. So uh, there's doing this again, like for two decades, uh, there's certain situations, especially with teams that have such known players like Barcelona and Real Madrid, where you can pretty much just roll out of bed, hit the on switch and go. Uh, But when they get together, there's so many other little details. Uh, People are going to be talking about, what Shakira had for dinner the night before and um, (laughs) what Kareem Benzema might be going through in three or four months time. There's so many potential distractions, if you will, or I I guess a better way to look at it is just color. Uh, You know, when Real Madrid and Barcelona get together, it's the old axiom. You you just throw out the records. Uh, But so often those records are just as vital as they are this year, because with Atletico stumbling, uh, the winner of this Classico will be in first place if Atletico stumbles again. So it's uh, it's just one of those situations where the soccer world is going to stop for a couple of hours. And you have to be ready. Uh, you, like I mentioned, all those things that go on in the background, all of the things that are happening with the record number of games that, that Lionel Messi is playing, the, the domination of Kareem Benzema, uh, as he seems to continually get better year after year. Um, All of those things you have to be ready for, but I guess the best way to phrase it, and you might understand this as a broadcaster, is you get ready for everything, and then at the opening kickoff, you throw everything away because you don't want to be trying to to peg uh, that round story into a square hole. You just got to kind of be ready for everything, and maybe I'll only use about 10, 15% of my notes, but I have to be ready just in case, and so the other danger in a game that is this big, normally, uh, when you have 80,000 screaming lunatics in the fans in the stands, um, you kind of try and lay out a bit and let the, the crowd wave carry you. It's going to be even a little bit different here in these situations where there is no real crowd. Um, and you hear the coaches, you hear the players screaming, and maybe there's going to be a tendency to add a little bit of atmosphere. But, uh, again, the game will take care of itself. And I guess my job, especially with someone that, uh, you know, too much, like Ray Hudson, I guess I just have to stay out of the way. (laughs) How do you explain El Clasico to somebody uh, who maybe doesn't follow La Liga it's it's often said, and maybe these numbers are a little bit inflated, Phil, I don't know, that it's watched by hundreds of millions of people around the globe, approaching 200 different countries. You are our English language voice here in the United States. How do you explain the sheer magnitude of El Clasico, a regular season matchup between two arch rivals here dating back almost a century now plus? I guess from an American perspective, you kind of have Yankees, Red Sox. Uh, Cowboys Redskins, things like that, where, excuse me, Cowboys Washington Football Club, um, where people say those are the big rivalries. Lakers, Celtics, even uh, from a performance perspective. But this dwarfs that uh, because while there might be a lot of sports fans, even the, the average sports fan that might tune in to watch what's going on, uh, in the Bronx, when the Red Sox come to town, around the globe, they couldn't care less. Uh, but when you talk about this, as you said, it might not be $2 billion, uh, when the final <laughs> numbers are in, but there's a significant number and more than for any game that's out there. 
Uh, and even the, the fans, I think, of other leagues, uh, Bayern Munich fans or, or Manchester United fans, even those fans of leagues where they think their league might be better in the competition with, uh, with uh, La Liga, when these two teams play head-to-head, even they stop and watch. So it's it's got the passion. Maybe, I mean, you can look maybe in certain areas like a, a Boca River where maybe there's even a little bit more rawness to the passion. But when you're taking a look at the best of the best, uh, it doesn't get much better than this. And uh, it's it's really hard to explain unless you experience it. And especially if you get the chance to experience it in person, hopefully those days will come around again soon. But if you have the chance to see this in person and, uh, not just the game, but the the days leading up to the game, the weeks leading up to the game, how the anticipation builds uh, and to a crescendo at the opening kickoff. And then who knows what happens. It's, and many times it's just hang on for dear life. Uh, and, and even in this year where you could argue that neither of these teams is as good as it was in their heyday uh, over the last decade or two, but you still find times. What is it? Uh, Barcelona's going to be going 20 straight unbeaten. Uh, Real Madrid, uh, as I said, if they do get the win, could be in first place in La Liga and just showed uh, Liverpool uh, how the game is played. So it's it's kind of intriguing when this game pops up twice a year, uh, sometimes a few times more. But it, it is one of those games where it's uh, a red-letter day as soon as they release the schedule. Oh, man. And you're bringing back great memories from when I had the opportunity in 2015 to go to Catalonia and go and attend one of these. It is just an amazing, all-encompassing experience in the city that is the host city. Phil, one of the subplots, and clearly there's many storylines here. It's important for league standings. These two managers who are club legends here, uh, some of the, the players who will or won't be physically able to play, but Messi's future, this very well could be, and most Barca supporters hope this isn't the case, but this could be Messi's final Clasico, and his performance in this game in particular is record-setting. It's unprecedented what he's been able to do here. What sort of, uh, how much will, will you guys, if, if at all, spend time talking about the fact that Lionel Messi has an uncertain future at the only club he's ever known? Probably more than most Real Madrid fans would want to hear and less than most Barcelona fans will be saying themselves. Um, the neutral fans hopefully will be able to ride that wave a little bit. But uh, no, I agree with you. And you take a look, uh, what was it, two months ago, people are saying Zidane should be shown the door. Three months before that, people were saying just wait till the election and Coleman's out on his ear. Um, and now both of them uh, could be going for doubles. Uh, Barcelona will have the cup coming up immediately following. Real Madrid has the second leg of that Liverpool match to defend. Um, but it all kind of stops for this. And from a Messi perspective, it's really intriguing because I think a lot of people were expecting after the last off season, when Lionel Messi himself said that he wanted out, that it was all but assured. And I myself was saying that, when you're talking about the possibility of letting 100, 150, who knows, $200 million just slip away by not selling him when you had the chance. Uh, but maybe, just maybe, Barcelona knew what they were doing. Maybe they just stumbled into it a little bit because most of the people that were involved in that decision aren't there anymore. Uh, but when you now have uh, 
the man who was there when Messi started in charge of the club again. You have Ronald Koeman, a man who uh, knows Barcelona and what is expected there uh, and can be a rather demanding manager. Just take a look back at his Valencia days, how that doesn't always go over too well in Spain, but seems to be clicking here. And a man that tends to have a reputation of being rather stayed in his in his ideas, but now all of a sudden throwing that three-back wrinkle with Frankie DeBoer, uh, with the Frankie DeBoer, Frankie de Jong, uh, pulling the strings in the back and rediscovering in some ways uh, the possession domination of Pep Guardiola and then still trying to find a way to fill Luis Suarez's shoes and throwing Usman Dembele up front and just stretching things out. So I think what Coleman has done after the opening couple of months where there was a struggle is take the next step towards the next Barcelona. And by putting some of those kids in there, uh, I think the combination of those two things where you kind of have the sense that the new plan is in place and that next generation is starting to find its way up might just be an answer to a question that Lionel Messi didn't even realize he had. I think he was tired of the last five years where they kept throwing band-aids on gaping wounds and expecting that to, to make things all right. And all it did was just prolong the agony. But now all of a sudden you're taking a look at a team that seems to be headed back in the right direction. And with Lionel Messi there, if he signs a new contract, uh, that makes it that much closer towards seeing some success. Although it does delay the inevitable because Messi's not going to be there forever. And I think even if he does stick around, it's probably only going to be for a couple, two, three years maximum before he maybe makes the jump to MLS and eventually back to the Newell's old boys to wrap things up and hang up the cleats and what will be a very fat day. But uh, for Barcelona, um, I was given it kind of 50, 50 at the outset. Now I'm thinking I could see 75, 80, 90% chance that he sticks around. I mean, Manchester City and PSG are the only other two teams. And who knows what's going to be happening with PSG if Mbappe and Neymar are still going to be there. And uh, again, while Pep Guardiola would love him, uh, kind of sneaking a Lionel Messi into Manchester City's salary uh, cap is going to be a bit difficult. So might just be better for him to stay a one-club man for a few more years. Well, life post-Messi for Barca is a fascinating subject, one that we can save for a different day down the road, Phil. But uh, how so many fans are fans of that club now because of Lionel Messi over the last 17 seasons, what he's done, the video game generation, et cetera. I mean, it really, to see what that will look like post-Messi is, is something I, I know I've spent some time talking about, probably you as well. Before we let you go, how many times in your life have you heard the word magisterial and how many of them have been <laughs> from Ray Hudson? <laughs> um, not enough. Let's just put it that way. And hopefully there'll be a few more this weekend. What is your favorite Ray Hudson-ism, if you will? Does, is there one or is it just, hey, you never know what you're going to get from your uh, frequent broadcast partner? I think that's probably closer to it. I mean, there, there's some of them uh, where you're, you're talking about uh, Colossus, you're talking about uh, well, maybe not talking about tennis players or movie stars, but uh, I think 
with Ray, a lot of people think everything is planned or everything is off the cuff. It's really kind of a hybrid of the two. Uh, he does a lot of reading. He does a lot of thinking, a lot of preparing, um, and then just kind of waits for the right moment to throw those things out there. So uh, Ray being Ray, there's always something that's just a little bit different. And uh, again, just like uh, you kind of mentioned with the Ronaldo and Messi era, uh, I think having Ray involved during this time has been amazing. And I'm just honored and blessed to have been a part of it as well. Uh, I mean, you talked about us being the voice of uh, of soccer, English soccer, at least here in the States. Um, the amazing thing is, and I don't know how they do it. I mean, I was on a mission trip in Honduras a few years back and I get off the plane and people recognize me. Um, <laughs> and I had no clue what was going on until later I found out they were huge soccer fans. Um, and they somehow found a way to listen to BN signal and not just BN, but BN's English signal. And we'll be getting, uh, emails and tweets from Sri Lanka and Pakistan and uh, Singapore and wherever, somehow they find a way. And uh, when you take a look at, at the magic that's been going on over the last uh, few years, it's just been an honor to be a part of it. And uh, I think just getting a chance to, to see how people respond to it makes it that much sweeter. Well, as I said, Phil, and and I I say this in all seriousness, not just to butter you up here because you took time to to join me, but, you know, your voices are oftentimes just so synonymous with the the joy that has been brought from watching Barca, Real Madrid, uh, Atletico, any of the, the La Liga squads that people have gravitated towards. So, you know, for us, it's just it's it's become synonymous with so many positive memories, including, like I said, what we've got upcoming this weekend where it's tied into a a charity drive here with our local group where we're all collecting cleats and sneakers for a local charity called legacy laces here in San Diego. So you are very much a part of, of our lives. So we thank you very much for what you do and certainly for taking the time to join us. And we wish you nothing but an excellent broadcast upcoming this weekend and for the remainder of the season. Uh, thank you, Darren. And again, it's just, it's an honor and a blessing to be able to do it and hopefully uh, be able to do it for quite a few more years in the future. And just, Tune in. Our coverage uh, in the afternoon, Jeff, be in sports.com for all of the latest. And uh, we'd love to have you from the pregame on. But uh, it's one of those ones, buckle up early because you're never sure what to expect. We love it. Phil Shane, thank you so much. You're uh, kind to do this, and we certainly greatly appreciate you. Anytime. Wow. Phil Shane, everybody. Give Phil a follow at Phil Shane, S-C-H-O-E-N. Also, if you're an aspiring up-and-coming broadcaster, you can check out Phil's website. Go to philshane.com. Again, the spelling S-C-H-O-E-N doesn't exactly sound like it spells. But Phil Shane, who's been there for so many of Lionel Messi's fantastic, unforgettable moments, so many of Cristiano Ronaldo's, so many great La Liga, so many Ligue 1, U.S. men's national team. He's, He's just, he's... He's fantastic at what he does. I love listening to Phil Shane. Can't get enough of that broadcast crew between Phil and Ray Hudson. As I've said, and anybody who is a fan of any sport, you recognize this, that so much of the joy that gets delivered from sports, whether it's what we're talking about here today with soccer or baseball or football or basketball, what have you, you end up becoming attached not only to the club, the team, to the player, But also to the broadcasters, because those voices very much become the soundtrack and synonymous with our happiness, 
with our sadness, with our despair, with our agony, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, all of it. And for those of us that love La Liga, for those of us that love any of the La Liga clubs across the board, for those of us that just love watching El Clasico, for those of us that love this broadcast crew between Phil and Ray Hudson, they have provided and been there when Messi's done the superhuman things that Messi's done. Or same for Luis Suarez or Cristiano Ronaldo or you know, pick your player here. So El Clasico upcoming this weekend. I made mention of it during the podcast that uh, Peña Blaugrana San Diego here, the officially recognized supporters group for FC Barcelona. We are having our El Clasico party upcoming this weekend with social distancing rules. Obviously, we can't pack the place like we have in years past where we've been shoulder to shoulder, win, lose, draw. We've had amazing turnouts here in the past. We have to be smart. We have to be limited. We have to be responsible this time. But we will be there at Serrano's up in Coronado. So, And also for a tremendous cause, as, uh, our, our gatherings are not just us, an excuse for us to go and eat tacos and drink beers and margaritas and do tequila shots, but also uh, an opportunity to do something really, really good for our community. As a matter of fact, this week we are going to show a little bit of love to my guys here at Peña Blagrana because we are operating a, uh, a cleat drive, a shoe drive. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know that everybody can show up here and contribute, but uh, in terms of this weekend, anybody who is familiar with the Legacy Laces charity, Cleats for Soccer Youth in Need here in San Diego, that is what our weekend is all about. Of course, we're going to be pulling for Barca to win, for Barca to put itself in a position here where it will be top of the table, as unlikely as that is, given that Atletico Madrid had a 10-point lead here at the end of January, and that is totally evaporated, and Luis Suarez is going to miss a couple of weeks with injury. But uh, that's what it's all about with our group, with Peña Blagrana. So if you're a Barca fan in San Diego and you've heard me talk about this before, well, hey, we'd love to see you sometime. So get in touch with us. Thank you to the great Phil Shane. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into this podcast. And we'll see you next week on the Unnamed Soccer Podcast. Peace.